Welcome to Bible Near You, a Bible study program that seeks to shed some light on the Bible and aims to drive the shade of ignorance from the mind of the people across the world. The program comes to you every Wednesday at BibleNearYou.co.za at 1600 South African Standard Time. We are also available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and other podcasting platforms. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bible Near You. If you have any questions concerning the content of our show, you can email us at question at biblenearyou.co.za. Now we join our host and teacher, Lungisa Jostri. Well, the Lord is good and uh, He's faithful by allowing us to come together. Even though we're not together physically, but the fact that we are able to communicate and be able to share with one another the scriptures and also be able to interact on social media and in other platforms that are made available to us. I'll take a, a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day for allowing us to study the word. Indeed, Lord, it's written that how shall a young man cleanse his way? It says by taking heed that too according to your word. And so, Lord, we are praying that as we invest our hearts and our minds to study your word, it will help us to grow and it will help us to live a more clean life, a life that is pleasing in your sight. We humble ourselves, Lord, greatly, and we ask you to lead us, to teach us, and be good students of the word. We pray and ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, my dear friends, Last week we looked at First Kings. Um, we are in the campaign of studying, doing an overview of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And um, we have a long way to go, uh, considering that we've only done um, 11 books. Those are the only books we've done so far. And we are carrying on and we're hoping that by next year in february we will be finishing uh, this bible study so each and every week uh, of uh, our lives so 67 weeks basically 67 weeks lord willing we will finish doing each and every book uh, on its on its own so even the first and seconds the first and seconds we're going to be treating them differently looking at them differently but there is an exception here with the book of uh, Kings. Uh, last week we started off with the book of Kings, looked briefly at it, and um, today we are again looking at 2 Kings, but I'm not going to go through the title and uh, author and uh, um, date because we, we looked at that last week. It's the same book. First and Second Kings are one book, just like First and Second Samuel. So we're not going to look at the information so if you want to know more about about the author and the dates uh, of authorship you can go and listen to last week episode uh, episode number 12 and uh, as we are proceeding to episode number 13 uh, I'm so thrilled that we we get the chance now looking at first king first um, you remember that Solomon is taking over from David uh, to become king of uh, Israel, the united Israel. So the whole 
12 tribes of Israel and uh, his kingdom had peace. There was peace all around. And Solomon had a problem then. He loved so many women. He loved women. He had uh, over 1,000 women involved. Actually, 1,000 women, not over. It was 1,000 women involved. Um, was it 300 wives and 700 concubines? Or it's the other way around, but um, that much. So in that, having so many women in his life, he then swayed away he was swayed away from the ways of the lord so solomon what he did is he started uh, going after strange gods he built uh, strange altars to strange gods the gods they came with his wives uh, his wives were were foreign many of them were not israelites so they worshiped other gods and so for that reason god said that kingdom will be divided. So he will divide the kingdom. He will not remove the kingdom completely from the house of Judah, from the house of David, because God had made a promise to David. But nonetheless, the kingdom was going to be divided. And then uh, the, the the larger part will go to uh, Israel, will be taken away. And uh, he was left, Judah will be left to the small part. And that happened as we go forward to chapter 12 of First Kings, uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, uh, he made a bad decision and took a bad advice from his peers, ignoring the advice from the elders concerning how to treat the people. And so the people, they broke away and they said, what have we to do with the house of David? So they uh, gave Jeroboam, Jeroboam became their king. And so there were two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which is called the kingdom of Israel, where Jeroboam was king. And there was the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom ruled by Rehoboam. And uh, it was the kingdom of Judah. So as we move on, there are many other kings in Israel. One of the notable and notorious king was Ahab. Ahab was troublesome. He was a wicked man. And um, we see there that God um, actually was making a plan to even destroy Ahab. And it came to pass that he eventually died. And uh, when he died, his son Ahaziah took over. And his son also was wicked. He was a wicked son. In fact, when we open up in 2 Kings, uh, we read... Uh, verse, from verse 1 to verse 3, it says, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go and inquire of Baal-zebab, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? So this is what we learn from the word go, that the king Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, when he was sick, he did not send to the prophet of the Lord, and inquire there of the Lord if he was going to get better or not. But instead, he sent to a foreign god, Beelzebub, and he inquired there if uh, to see if he was going to recover. And therefore, he, the, his judgment was that 
he was certainly going to die of his sickness. And of course, he died. But when we go to chapter 2, we find that uh, Elijah the Tishbite, because we, we hear of Elijah the, um, uh, the Tishbite, but this time it was his time for Elijah to go. So in chapter 1, we see him trying to leave Elisha. We see him uh, trying to leave Elisha so he will go alone. But for some reason, Elisha would, would, would see this and would anticipate this and he would refuse to leave the men of God. And so they went together, all this, the, the errands that uh, Elijah was um, doing for the Lord. And uh, eventually Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind to heaven and um, the anointing of Elijah was, um, was given to Elisha. So Elisha continued the ministry now. So when we read in chapter 4 of Second uh, Kings, we see the miracles that Elisha did from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 8. What we learn uh, of these miracles, I think one of the things that are very notable uh, in this book is the, is the vessel of oil which he was pouring in small, it's a small vessel of oil, small container of oil, or small cruise of oil. He was pouring out from it into bigger vessels. So there's this woman, the story goes like this. There's this woman, her husband died and left her with a huge debt. And this woman had, had two sons. So the the creditors, they came to take the two sons to go and become slaves so that they will work and pay off the debt. So this woman went and pleaded with the men of God and, and explained her case. And so Elijah said, what do you have? And so this woman has just a little bit of oil. And then she said, go and borrow, go to your neighbors, borrow the vessels, just go borrow the containers. So she went around borrowing and she's got all these containers here. And then the men of God poured out the oil into these containers and he filled all these containers and when he asked for some more there was uh, no more vessels to to pour uh, into and so the oil stopped uh, flowing and so he said go and sell this and pay off the debt so we see there um, that miracle there's another incident where there was a, a, a woman a Shunammite who was very kind to them uh, build a house for El for Elisha, speaking to the husband, say, this is a man of God, let's build him, uh, prepare him a place, a room, a house where he could could live. So, so Elijah said, but you've been kind to us, so what can we do for you? And But the woman said, no, I live among my people. It's like she, she didn't want anything from him. But because they were inclined, so Gehazi, who was um, Elisha's servant, said that, no, this woman does not have a child. So the Elijah so sort of prayed, and then um, the woman uh, got a child, a son. But it happened that the son would die, and then uh, Elijah raised the child up, prayed for the child, and the child was uh, brought back from the dead. And then there was also a famine incident. It's all in chapter 4 here. There was an incident where there was famine in the land. And when that famine uh, hit, 
there was a man that w- went out to gather some herbs to try to find some herbs and then they find a wild vine and apparently it was poisonous so he find the wild vine and he gathered a, quite a lot of it and then he chopped it and then he put it he created some sort of a soup or stew and then he served to the people and the people started getting sick and they cried out to Elisha and said men of god there's death in the pottage so they um there he took a meal meal i think it's ground uh, uh, maize or some kind of ground seeds and he just put it into the into the pottage or into the pot and the thing was healed and said serve the people another incident also still in chapter 4 from verse 32 44 is when he fed 100 men with a small supply of food remember that there was still famine so there was a man who came with the supplies and he he, he was bringing food to the men of god but the men of god said give it to the people and and this man says what this very small sup- this very small food how can i give it to 100 people he said just give it to them they will eat and they will leave some and they ate and there was left some portion doesn't it remind you of somebody this story of course it should remind you of jesus our lord that jesus was able to feed in one time 4000 people not counting men sorry not counting women and children so the there were 4000 men so there could have been even more people there if you count women and children could have been maybe 12 to 15000 people at that time and then another incident where he he fed 5000 people again with a very small portion of food and all these people in these incidences they ate and they left in fact the 4000 there were seven baskets of uh, crumbs that were left can you imagine that seven basket of crumbs from a small portion of food that couldn't even fill one bucket one basket so one basket could not be filled with the original food but when jesus multiplied it seven basket were filled with the remainder from a small thing can you imagine five loaves and two fishes fits five thousand and that's not counting women and children and then there's a, a leftovers over that there are leftovers 12 baskets leftovers that's amazing so that shows us the power of god working in the lives of uh, this prophet elijah and also demonstrated plainly in the life and the ministry of the lord jesus christ so moving on we see still in the miracles of uh, elijah we see that he healed Naaman in chapter 5 this, uh, the enemy of Israel and uh, in healing Na- Naaman there's something he did when Naaman came there with his entourage he Elijah did not come out to meet this man Naaman was a very important man he was a very important man in Syria great political figure but Elijah did not come out to meet him in fact he sent a servant and said Go tell him to go and wash in the river Jordan. And Naaman was a leper, even though he was so successful in his career, but he was a leper and that is something he could not fix. Nobody could help him. There are no witch doctors, no magicians, no magi, no nothing that could help him. And so this little girl who was uh, abducted 
and was working as a servant of uh, in in his house in Naaman's house she suggested that if my lord could go to Israel there's a prophet there and so a, a letter was written um, sort of like so he could cross the border and come to Israel and state his business so a letter, a letter was written by the king of Syria to the king of Israel note that they are enemies they are enemies so the letter comes to the king and he gets really furious but Elijah heard that Elisha heard that the king was furious so he said why are you angry let the man come to me so he will know that there is a God in Israel and so when he was sending, then he was coming to Elisha. To Elisha, Elisha sent the seven. He said, tell him to go and wash seven times in the river and he'll be clean. He was very angry. Naaman was expecting some sort of, uh, you know, some spectacular kind of uh, behavior. You know, Elijah has to dance around, uh, throw the dust in the air, make some chantings, you know, some ridiculous thing that Sangomas are doing. So he was expecting something like that. But Elijah just said, go and wash. So he was very, very angry. So he wanted to go. He said, there are many rivers in our home. You know, I should I wash in Jordan? But his servants, they begged him. And I said, look, my father, if the prophet had said to you, go and do something like great, something like grand, something difficult, you would have gone and done it. So if he says, go and wash and be clean. So what's that to you? Just, just go and do it. So... The man listened. He, he went and washed, and voila, he's clean. His uh, skin looks like the skin of a baby. Comes back to the prophet to offer him some uh, reward and say thank you and give him some money. The prophet said, Ah, go, you can go. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand the, the main purpose for this story. A main purpose for the story, which so many people have missed because they focus so, so much on a miracle. That Naaman's skin was cleansed. That's the main focus to a lot of people. But the gist of the story, the, the main point that we need to understand is, is this thing here. Listen to the words of Naaman. Listen to the words of Naaman in verse 15 to 19. And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him and he said behold now i know that there is no god in all the earth but in israel now therefore i pray thee take a blessing of thy servant and he said that's elisha as the lord liveth before whom i stand i will receive none and he urged him to take it but he refused and naaman said shall there not then i pray thee be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods but unto the lord in this thing the lord pardon thy servant that when my master goeth into the house of rimon to worship there and he leaneth on my hand and i bow myself into the house of rimon when I bow down myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little, a little way. Now, I want you to note these words. They're very important. What we witness here is the conversion of Naaman. 
That's what many people miss out. This is the conversion of Naaman. Naaman confesses with his very own mouth that he now knows that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And secondly, he says he will not give burnt offering to any other God except Yahweh, except the God of Israel. And thirdly, he confesses his sin and he confesses also that in future he might be in the house of Rimon bowing there, but that will not be his intention. That will not be his intention. He would only be doing the instruction from his master, the king, who leans on his hands when he go and worship there, but he will, his heart will not be there. So the Lord pardon him. So the prophet let him go. But not, here's another thing. He's asking for two bags of soil, the soil from the Holy Land. So what he wants to do is that when he offers to God, when he prays to God, he doesn't stand on Syrian, on Syrian grounds, but he stands on holy ground from the Holy Land. This is incredible. This is incredible. This is incredible. We've got so much to learn from the story, the story of Naaman, that he turned away from his sins. He turned away from the false god. He inclined his heart to Israel and he even wanted to stand on the soil of Israel. In other words, he considered himself an Israelite in a way. That's why he would worship the God of Israel, standing on the, on the soil of Israel. My word, so much. You know, Na Naaman's conversion is far authentic than the conversion um, or the... Uh, um, supposed conversions of so many people today. So many people come to the Lord, they don't even confess their sins. They don't pledge their allegiance to the Lord. They want God to do things for them, but they don't want to quit anything or sacrifice anything for Him. But we see a genuine conversion, genuine repentance from Naaman. So, as we move on, from um, chapter 6, we see he, he, um, Elisha helping Israel. Every time the king of Syria and his bands are planning, plotting to do stuff, Elijah will warn the king of Israel, don't go there, don't do that, don't go there. So every plan the Syrians were making and every ambush they were trying to plan was not fruitful. And they even thought, the king thought that there was a spy among them. So he was asking who is spying and they told him, no, there's a prophet in Samaria. And this prophet tells the king of Israel the thoughts that you are thinking while you are lying on your bed. And so we see um, from all the way from chapter 8 now, chapter 8 verse 16, um, we see the now the acts of the king. So chapter eight, uh, chapter eight, verse sixteen, and as you go to chapter twenty-five, this is the acts of the kings now of uh, Israel and of Judah. So you 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 will notice that in the kings of Israel, none of them has done anything good, none of them, and uh, also they don't come from the very same family. It's just the the. There's so much randomness in them. They are not related so much so. There are very few kings that are 
the kingdom lasts, but then somebody else comes. Like, for example, when Jehu came, Jehu was not related to the king at that time who was ruling in Israel. And God was judging the house of Ahab and the sons of Ahab. So he cut off the family of Ahab and um, the dynasty of the house of uh, Ahab. So the different uh, dynasties in the house of Israel. But in Judah, the kings has always been in the lineage of David. But there was a time where the light of the house of Judah or the house of David was nearly quenched when Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, who married one of the kings of Judah, uh, threatened and actually killed the sons. When, when Ahaziah died, when Ahaziah died, Athaliah killed the seeds or the sons of the king. But fortunately, one of the servants acted quickly. Uh, the name of that servant was uh, Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, the sister of Ahaziah. He took, she took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. So Joash, or Jehoash, was uh, hidden in the temple until he was uh, six years old. And then uh, at the age of seven, they crowned him king. So he became king at the age of seven. And uh, Joash brought reforms in the kingdom of Judah. There was hope again. And uh, all the treachery of Athaliah, the last of the seed of Ahab and Jezebel, um, was um, they, they actually killed her. She was killed. And so there were reforms and repaired the temple. They discovered the book of the law. They restored the Passover and uh, some of the things that God had commanded. But uh, those reforms, unfortunately, were too late because down the line, Nebuchadnezzar comes and uh, Jerusalem fails. Uh, it fails um, so bad because even the prophet that was prophetic, prophesying, sorry, prophet that was prophesying in those days was Jeremiah. Nobody repented. Uh, in those days, but that was after Joash had, uh, had died. So uh, this is the long and short of uh, the kings of Israel. So if you read from chapter 8, verse 16, and going up to chapter 25, this is uh, where you you will find uh, the acts of the kings. Uh, there were so many kings we can mention um, Manasseh, one of the kings who started very well, but somehow he turned and uh, turned away from the Lord. Uh, I think he's the one that was removed from power and then was brought back again, and uh, he learned the Lord's ways. We find um, one of the famous kings, Uzziah, uh, this, or Uzziah, some people will say that, um, we know Uzziah is very famous. I'm saying he's very famous because when people read Isaiah chapter 6, you hear them saying that uh, by the death of uh, King Uzziah, I saw the Lord. They People think that Uzziah had to die so that uh, Isaiah will see the vision of the Lord, which is not true. Uh, Uzziah actually died because of his sins when he transgressed and entered the temple and wanted to offer up sacrifice and it was not his business so he 
the priest challenged him and he became very angry. And while he was very angry, there was leprosy on his forehead. And so he he went away. He was no longer a king. His son had to take over and then he dies. So after his death or in the year that he died, then Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord. So it's not that uh, Isaiah had to die. Sorry, Uzziah had to die. So Isaiah will see the vision. But Isaiah is telling us the date when he saw the vision. It was in the year that Uzziah died. Whether before Uzziah's death or after Uzziah's death, we know not. So now when you look at this, all these kings, even uh, Hezekiah, another king who, who brought some reforms in the in the house of Israel, but sadly those reforms were not early enough they were late because the fate was decided and um nebuchadnezzar was going to come and nebuchadnezzar does come he does come uh starting off um in chapter 24 he's mentioned there and then coming down to 25 chapter 25 um where he, he takes jerusalem and the sons of the kings and takes them all to babylon so I think what we what we could gather here across the book of of uh, Kings is that there was so much uh, competition. Um, God, sorry, in the hearts, God competing with these false gods in the hearts of the people, and uh, so much wickedness going on. Uh, people being killed, uh, prophets being killed, Jezebel killed. The prophets of the Lord to the point that Elijah thought he was the only one left but God told him I've got seven thousand men seven and a half thousand men who have not bowed themselves to Baal so there were lessons to learn in this book about how God works and we see how God cares for his people cares even for the people who are not Israelites he takes care of them like the Shunammite woman she's not an Israelite uh, like the widow that Elijah went and lodged in, in in her house to feed her for three and a half years, she was not an Israelite. In fact, Jesus mentions that in Luke chapter four, when he he tells the people of uh, Israel that were listening that a prophet is never honored in his own places and then he says how many uh, widows are in the house of Israel but Elijah was not sent to any of them and how many lepers were were present in the house of Israel but Naaman was was cleansed was not even an Israelite and they got really 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 angry with him they took him and they wanted to throw him over the cliff so what we're reading here in the book of Kings is true and Jesus believed also that it was true jesus believed that it was true because when he preached he quoted that he mentioned that because it is scripture so my dear friends i just want to say thank you very much for giving me an ear and giving me your time to listen to this episode of bible near you 
We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bible Near You, and we have an email if you have any question. Questions at BibleNearYou.co.za, and if you want information on how you can support Bible Near You uh, financially or in any in any other way, we have uh, an email that says info at BibleNearYou.co.za. My name is Lungusu Jostri. You are listening to Baba Near You. You have a fantastic week. Goodbye.